Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Primary Care Podcast. It is your boy, Dr. Mark List, at you uh, with another episode here on the Primary Care Pod. Um, we have a, a joke today uh, at, at the primarycarepod at gmail.com inbox, primarycarepod at gmail.com. That's where you can send us any jokes, uh, any topics that you want us to, to hit on. Um, today, we're going to, before we get into our topic, we have our joke today. All right, so uh, Dr. List. What is the leading cause of dry skin? Ooh, uh, good question. Uh, what is the leading cause of dry skin? Answer, towels. Oh, that was really, really, really dumb. Okay, uh, let's unfortunately start the podcast. Primary Care Podcast is written and edited by a family physician for an audience of other physicians, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, residents, medical students interested in primary care topics. This is not a podcast for patients and should not be used as medical advice. This is also a personal podcast produced on my own time and solely reflecting my personal opinions. Statements of this podcast do not reflect the views and policies of my employer, past, present, or any other organization with which I may be affiliated. Thank you for listening to the Primary Care Podcast. I'm Dr. Mark List, here to bring you the latest news, guidelines, and updates from primary care sources around the globe. Keeping it under 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and I'm not that smart. Well, everybody... Welcome back. Welcome back, friends, uh, pod girls, pod boys, pod people, pod friends, to the Primary Care Pod. Uh, I am your podcasting host, Dr. Mark List. Today, it's an all-food episode of the Primary Care Podcast. How about that? Uh, I, we've never done this before. Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about dietary topics uh, that have come out recently. We're going to look at the headlines. We're going to dig into past the headlines, and we're going to get into the studies themselves because as you've heard me say on this podcast before, dietary science is an oxymoron. Dietary science, as uh, even though they do the best they can, uh, dietary science is not a, a true science. You know, it's none of these are you know high quality evidence based trials. They're all very, very weak evidence. They're very poorly. Uh, they're usually, you know, interview trials. They're usually, you know, a, a lot of kind of garbage associated with the trial. And yet people take them as gospel because everyone has their own food opinion about what diet it has to have. And there's entire, uh, you know, industries about diets and diet plans and don't eat this, eat this, choose my supplements, don't choose G supplements. And as I always say, don't be a martyr when it comes to recommending dietary stuff. You know, have a couple of tools in your toolbox, know the basics, um, and, and then kind of go from there, right? Now, the two topics we're going to talk about today, no, this is the, the headline, five fruits and veggies a day may be optimal in terms of survival. Uh, this is from, uh, oh gosh, let me pull this up. This is from actually Circulation, uh, the Journal of Circulation, uh, which is uh, associated with the American Heart Association. And in this trial, they looked at a 30-year follow-up of 100,000 people. And this is the uh, nurse's health study and the health professional's uh, follow-up study. Okay, So uh, the nurse's study has come out with a lot of uh, information in terms of supplement usage and some other um, things. But again, it's important to note that these are questionnaires. Uh, so they asked these 100,000 people to regularly complete questionnaires, and then they continue this follow-up for 30 years. Now... In the course of this 100,000 people uh, in this in this study, right, a third of the patients died. So we can then look back at their lives and say, well, 
you know, were, were there some causes of higher rates of mortality, lower rates of mortality? And we get a lot of, you know, good observational data from here. But again, it, you know, it's hard to get randomized control trial with 30 years of follow-up. So this is a, a really, really, really valuable tool, but also, you know, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Haha, <laughs> grain of salt, right? Okay. Um, and when you look at the data here, and again, this is questionnaire-based data, they asked about um, how many fruits and vegetables do you take? And then they separate them out into quintiles, right? So five groups. The lowest group, the median servings of fruits and vegetables was about two servings a day, okay? The next one was three, next one was four, next one was five. And the highest quartile is actually seven fruits and vegetable servings per day. And it gets really, really, really tricky because if you just look at the deaths per person years based on these quintiles, right? In the lowest, in the lowest fruit and vegetable intake, the incidence rate is 106 deaths per 1,000, 10,000 patient years, basically, right? Um, 10 to the fourth, that's 10,000, I believe, if my math is correct. Yes, it's 10,000. 10 to the fourth power. Google tells me that's 10,000. Yes, I was right. I should trust my instinct. Math is hard, hashtag. Um, hashtags are hard, hashtag. Um, the highest quintile, so I said 106 deaths per 10,000 person years. The highest quintile, which had almost three times as many fruits and vegetables, had 107 deaths per 10,000 patient years. Right, so study over, right? Is that is that it? No, no, no. They have to do, just like with all dietary science, they do a ton of adjustments of their model, right? Because this, they don't randomize that baseline. They, they basically just take all comers, they ask them about these things, and then they have to apply all these models, right? So statistically, then you want to try and get these patients post-trial, you know, organized into these groups so it makes sense, like you were randomizing them afterwards. And so their multivariable adjusted model shows that compared to the lowest quintile, lowest quintile of fruits and vegetables association, highest fruits and vegetables association, really, you know, the the adjustment basically says there's a relative risk of mortality of 0.89, right? So an 11% reduction in mortality, okay? Now, of course, that's relative risk, not absolute risk of 11% of mortality. If you actually do the math, and I did because, right, I'm a giant nerd bomber, uh, the absolute risk reduction and therefore the number needed to treat. So for your entire life, for 30 years, you need to eat seven fruits and vegetables per day and 126 people need to do that for one person to have to to prevent one death right so the number needed to treat is 126 for fruits and vegetable from the fifth quintile down to the first quintile right so you can imagine right uh, as we keep going down we talk about um specifically there's the the other incidents were like cardiovascular mortality um and some other outcomes that were associated with that. So not just um, not just right total mortality, but also cancer mortality, respiratory disease mortality, etc. So the you can see this across the spectrum. Now it seems though in in all this data, right? When they analyze this data and they put on there, they they do all their adjustments based on you know other you know alcohol use and smoking use and age and family history of all these things and they, they run it through their multivariable associated adjusted model sorry multivariable adjusted model right it seems like the benefits really cap out in that fourth quartile which ends up being about 
five fruits and vegetables per day. And if you dig down deeper and they actually separate out all fruits and vegetables by just fruits, by, by vegetables, you can kind of predict that the biggest gains are in the three fruits per day, you see a, a significant benefit, and two vegetables per day, right? So that's, that's about the best uh, you know, you, you need, uh, sorry, I got that backwards, three vegetables, okay, which was, again, fourth quintile, and two fruits, which, again, was about fourth quartile. You don't get any benefit after that, or at least in the studies, they didn't show a significant benefit after that. Now, not to throw the analogy in because it's a bad pun, but you have to take the study with a grain of salt because they don't adjust for any other things here, right? I mean, so they adjust for all these uh, these other models, right? But are the patients with the highest rates of, you know, these higher quintiles of um, fruit and vegetable intakes, which are seven plus compared to the five in the fourth quintile, are they vegan? Are they vegetarian? Are they just not taking another thing? Is that why there wasn't a continued decline of mortality? Or is there really just diminishing returns once you get past five per day? So when we educate patients, obviously fruits and vegetables are important. But I think this is nice that it's not a ton. And three vegetables, two fruits seems to be some kind of magic combination. But again, what kind of magic combination is it that you need to treat 126 people need to eat this compared to basically a fruit and a vegetable per day to to get benefit, right? Shouldn't that just lead us all to eat junk food? So 125 of us will be exactly the same, but one one sucker who didn't eat candy and junk food all day and ate, the, ate their fruits and vegetables, that person will actually survive. So, I mean, I know that's not how it works out in general because it's associated with a bunch of other morbidity, you know, but it's funny that the headline is five fruits and vegetables per day will make you live longer with a number needed treat of 126, right? And, you know, the thing about diet and exercise is they're free, they're easy, they're cheap. Uh, it's associated with a lot of health benefits, not just physical health, but also mental health and a ton of other things. Um, but I think the dietary research, again, yeah, there's mortality benefit, but what does that mean? And how reliable is this? And how repeatable is this? And is this actually a real number? Or is it, you know, is it just a, a product of the numbers? And it's the best research we have for diets, but it's still, again, you know, this idea that, we can figure out dietary science, it's just garbage. And so again, I'm gonna keep talking about how, sure, you know, I, I think any evidence is good to talk about, but again, I think we need to take it with a little bit of skepticism and, and a humility that we probably don't know everything that we need to know about this topic. But again, uh, take home point, fruits and vegetables good. There seem to be diminishing returns after about five or three vegetables, two fruits. Uh, but again, you know, if, if you're somebody who's, you know, killing yourself to try to get five of those in per day, it probably isn't going to make a hill of beans difference. Oh, man. Food puns. I have have a bunch, but I don't know how many I'm going to throw in. I I honestly don't. I honestly don't. Um, Okay, so the next uh, the next title that I wanted to read, right, very similarly gets headlines: Association of Cereal Grain Intake with Cardiovascular Disease and Mortality Across 21 Countries in Prospective Urban and Rural Epidemiological Studies. The Cure Studies or the Pure Studies, P-U-R-E, sorry, Prospective Urban and Rural Epidemiology Study. So it's a prospective cohort study that again looked at the association of intakes okay so again what they did was a food questionnaire and they followed patients for an average of about a decade nine to ten years 
and they looked at not only mortality, but also major cardiovascular events, right? MACE, we talked about that in prior podcasts. Uh, cardiovascular causes, non-fatal MIs, stroke, heart failure, etc. cetera. Uh, and so then they looked at hazard ratios. And I'm not gonna bore you with as many details because again, you get the same problems, where if you look at the raw data, the raw data doesn't show any difference. Oh, and they broke it down not just by uh, all carbohydrate intake, but carbohydrate intake, uh, whole grains, refined grains, and white rice. And nice to know, white rice, no association at all with increased rates of heart disease or death from cardiovascular events or major cardiac or major adverse cardiac events. Um, no issues with mace, no issues with mortality. And not surprisingly, whole grains also, again, not associated with, uh, or, sorry, increasing whole grains. So they looked at, again, quartiles, uh, lowest intake versus highest intake. So highest intake of white rice compared to lowest intake of white rice, no differences. Lowest intake of whole grains versus highest intake of whole grains, no differences. Lowest intake of refined carbohydrates versus people that had over seven servings of refined carbohydrates per day, the higher quartile was associated with major cardiac events and mortality. Sorry, I said quartile, I meant quintile. Ooh, big difference. Okay, so, but what does this actually mean? If you look at the raw numbers, because again, they don't randomize people um, when they put them on these questionnaires. They just get the questionnaires and then they put people into columns. If you actually look at the raw data, there's actually 11% of people in the lowest amount of refined carbohydrates. 11% of those patients either died or had a major cardiac event, okay? Versus only 10% in the highest quintile. So again, at raw value, you look at these questionnaires and you're like, oh, wait, that was exactly opposite of what we expected. And then they put it through all this modeling, all these statistical, you know, finagling to randomize based on age and smoking status and yada, yada, yada. And, and you can go through all this stuff in the, in the study if you want. But again, they put it through this multivariable adjustment. And then in this study, they even adjust for medications. And after all of that, Yes, there is a statistically significant worsening the higher up and the more and more and more refined carbohydrates you have. And that doesn't surprise anybody, you know, that we know that for years, that simple carbohydrates, highly refined carbohydrates are bad for you. This is nice to know that, you know, white rice and whole grains don't carry that same risk. But again, the science here is so weak that, yes, it's nice to kind of validate us and pat us on the back to say, yeah, we knew this. But it's, it's, pretty unimpressive. And again, the number needed to harm about eating seven servings compared to one serving, by the way, the lowest quintile was less than one serving, basically. So it was like less than 50 grams per day. And then the the other one is greater than 350 grams per day in, in the highest quintile. So when we talk about this, right, uh, you know, we're going from almost no carbs to a massive amount of refined carbs. So refined carbs in both in both cases. And the number needed to harm is something like 34. And again, this is over a 10-year period. So is it that impactful? Sure. I mean, the number needed to harm of 30 is it's pretty impactful. I think that's I think that's valuable to know about. Is it meaningful? Is it actually real? Is is it just a product of some of the multivariable adjustments? Yeah, kind of. It again, these are this is such weak data points. It's nice to know, but compared to the headlines of saying like refined carbs are going to kill you, 
I mean, that's true for some people, right? That is. And, and we see it, again, causing worsening outcomes in terms of increased rates of diabetes, diabetes and obesity, et cetera. Um, but when you actually pair into the data, it's not that impressive. But still, uh, lower refined carbs, the better. I think every single you know doctor at this point probably agrees with that. Um, to any extent, doesn't matter how bad the science is, it's, it, there's still enough data points to show it's real. So anyways, uh, again, we're talking about dietary stuff today. Hopefully this was a, a nice dive into a couple of papers just to kind of review some stuff to have, you know, talking points to talk with patients um, and do some education. Um, I sure like diving into these dietary studies because they're all terrible studies and even the best ones that get published are still pretty garbage. Um, so that makes the headlines anyway, so I thought we should talk about it. Um, again, you don't need to stay up all night to stay up to date. This has been Dr. Mark List. Uh, thanks uh, for tuning in again this week and uh, have a great week. Bye.